Welcome to episode 13 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christchurch Presbyterian. We're here with Ross Hodges and John Payne, and I guess I'm back from my long vacation to France. <laughs> How was that? Did you find some good clothes uh, for the new year? Had some good coffee. Yeah. Got some uh, good duck. <laughs> I, I want to know when we're going to get to ride on that jet plane. <laughs> Man, you're living the life, Gabe. Yeah, you're living the life. Go. They must pay you well at the College of Charleston. Enough. <laughs> Just enough. And we're also here with one of our dear members, Jack Muirhead, as well. So, good seeing you, Jack. Thank you. Right. Good to be seen. <laughs> okay. So, one of the purposes that we originally had for uh, Between the Times was just to get to know some of the members of our church. So, we have a church membership of about 140, 150 members, give or take. And so, in the practical sense, we won't be able to get to know every individual detail of each member. But this gives us a chance to just get, sit down with one person and just get to know their life story, get to know their testimony, get to know how they came to the Reformed faith and how they came to Christ Church. And so, this is the case for Jack. And so, I guess our first basic question, Jack, is just tell us about yourself. So, that's far back and you remember you want to go. So, just tell us about yourself. So, how'd you end up in Charleston, for instance? Well, I enjoyed the distinction of being the oldest member in Christ Church for some short period of time. <laughs> and then my friend Martin uh, decided to, uh, to come and join us. And uh, he's outdone me by a couple of years. Uh, uh, so, at any rate. Well, thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I should start by saying that I was born at a very early age. Uh, 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 seriously, I, uh, I was born and raised in northwestern Pennsylvania. Uh, very briefly, I, I went to high school there. Uh, I... When I went to college, I originally started at Washington and Lee University in in uh, Lexington, Virginia. Mm -hmm. My mother's desire was for me to go to Wheaton College, huh. Huh. and uh, uh, this was her second choice, uh, and uh, uh, so I ended up there. Uh, later, transferred to Penn State, hmm. uh, where I finished my undergraduate work. Uh, better yet, uh, met my bride, mm. uh, married her there. Uh, we lived there for a short uh, year or so after we were married, uh, when she was uh, teaching school and I was in graduate school. Uh, after uh, uh, graduate school, I uh, went to work for a major oil company. I graduated in uh, petroleum and natural gas engineering, mm. which is... Uh, uh, kind of a weird engineering discipline mm -hmm. uh, for for most people. They think of mechanical, electrical, civil, mm -hmm. uh, and so forth. Uh, but I uh, got interested in in uh, becoming a petroleum engineer in high school uh, when uh, uh, a lot of uh, big rigs from West Texas uh, moved into the area uh, uh, in which uh, I was uh, I, we were living and we're drilling for natural gas. Hmm. And, uh, and so I had an opportunity to uh, go out and, uh, and see some of this big equipment, and I, I really became fascinated with it. And as a result of that, I, I had decided 
that I had this interest in in the oil industry mm. even before I left high school. Now, now that caused me to uh, uh, to write for college catalogs at places like Colorado School of Mines, uh, Texas A&M, uh, you know, a few places like that uh, where I, I considered the oil industry to actually reside uh, when, uh, in fact, it actually began in Pennsylvania and uh, one of the uh, the better petroleum engineering schools uh, was Penn State. Uh, but since that was close to my home, I wasn't real excited initially, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, about doing that. So, Jack, uh, you'd mentioned uh, Barbara. We, of course, love Barbara, your wife. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how you met her at Penn State. Well, actually, uh, she had a date <laughs> with my roommate. Uh -oh. <laughs> and uh, uh, and as uh, uh, on on this particular occasion, uh, I was sitting uh, and uh, and talking with her, and I got to where I really liked her, and uh, so after uh, that evening was over, I asked my roommate uh, if it'd be all right if I moved in. And he very graciously consented. Uh, I think basically he was a year younger than I was, mm -hmm. and and Barbie is actually she's two months younger than I am, but mm -hmm. I consider her, uh, you know, about the same age. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, so uh, we began dating, and that was in my junior year in college. And we continued on, uh, and uh, and finally, after she graduated one semester ahead of me, hmm. uh, I had to go nine semesters, uh, not because I was totally dumb, uh, <laughs> but I mean there was some of that too, <laughs> but uh, uh, because I had transferred from WNL, uh, I I got into my engineering sequence late, mm -hmm. and so I had to uh, to make up. Uh, a, I mean, add on an extra semester to get into uh, uh, to uh, uh, fulfill the graduation requirements. Mm -hmm. Well, that gave me some room in my ninth semester, so I began taking graduate courses also mm -hmm. uh, to fill out the schedule, and uh, that led me to uh, continue on into graduate school. What year did you graduate from state from Penn State? Uh, 1960. 19 I'm sorry. Yeah, well, yeah, 19, 1959. 1959. Yeah, 1959. Uh, that was after the war, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the oil business, uh, from speaking to you before about this, took you to a lot of different places. Uh, it did take me to a lot of different places. And, you know, it impacted uh, my, actually, my, uh, uh, my, my walk as a believer mm. uh, because... Uh, uh, Gabe and I were chatting about this a little bit this morning. Uh, it took me to some very remote places, and so even as as we were, you know, studying in men's Bible study last time, uh, the book about work, you know, I was uh, I was thinking about uh, the fact that when I chose my vocation, and even when I chose my first job, I really didn't think about all the travel that was going to ultimately be entailed because I, I mean, frankly, I didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, as it later developed, 
when our first two children, we had twins uh, uh, initially, uh, when, uh, uh, when they were about to be born, I was uh, uh, doing wells up in northern Saskatchewan, uh, out in, uh, in, in the wheat fields, and there were no churches around. So uh, there were many weeks uh, that, that I missed church. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I said, I, told, I was telling Gabe this morning that uh, for the first 10 years of my working life, I was away from home and my family for about six months out of, the, out of every year. Wow. And, uh, and that was one of the, uh, uh, the occasions. I, the, the company did allow me to come home uh, a week or so before the twins were born. And uh, I, I stayed home only a week to 10 days after I brought Barb and, and the kids home from the hospital. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had, unfortunately, I had to park her uh, in this uh, second floor apartment that we had at the time. She didn't drive. And uh, uh, of course she had nobody, no family nearby. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, just little things like getting groceries mm-hmm. uh, was a big challenge for her. And uh, 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 fortunately, there was a small grocery nearby that she could call an order in, mm-hmm. and they would bring the groceries to her. We had uh, diaper delivery. Uh, <laughs> you know, in those days, uh, we used cloth diapers. Uh, uh, yeah. Di- I think diaper pickup would be even better. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, they, they, it came with a pail. Uh, and, uh, and and plastic bags. That's right. And they came and took it away. I'm sure it was a high-paid job. But, you know, it had to be. Indeed. It had to be. Uh, but at any rate. Uh, so when when did you come? When did you actually come to know Christ, and then have that transition into the Reform faith? I know you are. A, you love the Reform faith and um, have shared that uh, oftentimes with us. Well. Um, as far as coming to Christ, I did not have a Damascus Road experience. Okay, I I was born to a very godly woman, my my mom, uh, and uh, and she taught me to love Jesus from uh, the earliest days, and so you know I really can't remember a time when I did not. Okay. Now, I mean, that is a blessing. Indeed it is. Uh, and it's just yeah. as miraculous as the Damascus Road experience. Right. Okay? Uh, but at any rate, uh, uh, I, and I was, uh, uh, so I was raised in a, in a Christian home. Uh, I, uh, I was raised in a uh, conservative Baptist church uh, where, uh, uh, where the gospel was preached. Uh, I knew about uh, sin and hell. Uh, from a very early age, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, I, I made my profession of faith. I, I should say, I I went down the aisle. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was uh, yeah. that was the nature of my church. Sure. Uh, uh, when I was, uh, I think, twelve years old, mm-hmm. uh, was baptized shortly uh, thereafter. Uh, and but uh, I had a very strong sense of sin, and uh, we went. My mom took me, uh, of course, to Sunday school and morning worship. Uh, Sunday morning, uh, we were back Sunday evening, and uh, uh, for uh, uh, most of those years that I was at home, 
uh, we were at prayer meeting on Wednesday evening. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, that's, a, that's a major change that I have seen in the church over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Wednesday evening prayer meeting was a given and, uh, you know, in those years. And uh, a large percentage of the, of the fellowship, of, of the congregation, showed up on Wednesday evening as well as Sunday evening. Okay? I mean, that's not so today. Uh, that's not so. I mean, there are many, many churches that don't have any corporate worship today. And, uh, and, and too often when they do, uh, they're poorly attended. Well, you know, they say, uh, amongst pastor friends of mine, we say, if you want to stay humbled and slightly discouraged, have an evening worship service and a prayer meeting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's good. Yeah. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm mindful of uh, Charles Spurgeon uh, when people ask him, uh, you know, well, uh, to what do you attribute uh, the power of your church? Uh, he said, it's, uh, it's all those people down there right now uh, praying. Yeah. And indeed, uh, I think that is, uh, that is an important lesson for the, uh, the church to, uh, to uh, relearn. Yes. Uh, but uh, at any rate, uh, 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 there, were, uh, there was a time in my life, I, I, I know that, uh, that um, I was drifting. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, that is, when I was able to be in worship, I was in worship, uh, even during my college years. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm not, I, I cannot say that I really grew spiritually very much during that time. Uh, it was after I went to work, and after uh, uh, I, uh, we moved to Colorado uh, in uh, 1975, uh, on a on a job transfer, uh, that uh, uh, actually uh, I became, we became acquainted with John MacArthur okay. uh, through his radio ministry, and in uh, in Denver we were able to listen to MacArthur uh, three or four times a day if we wished. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know he was on uh, a number of radio stations out there, and. Uh, uh, he very quickly became a favorite of ours because, frankly, we had never heard preaching like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he preached verse by verse, chapter by chapter, expository preaching, mm-hmm. you know, right through the book. Uh, we didn't skip anything, and he didn't add anything. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I knew that... Uh, uh, over the years, I learned that he played college football, uh, but uh, that was not a, uh, you know, an important topic of of his sermons. And I, I grew to uh, 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 again great respect uh, for John MacArthur, and he probably had more impact on me spiritually uh, than anybody else that I, you know, I can think of. Um, when the uh, uh, the church growth movement. Uh, began to take hold, uh, you know, in the uh, uh, the 80s and uh, in uh, and, and uh, or, or peaking in the 80s and in the early 90s. Uh, you know, it was really MacArthur who called out the Church Growth Book in his his book of uh, Ashamed of the Gospel, uh, and that's one of my favorite books uh, because one of the other things that I found in there, one is I as I gained. Uh, 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 
understanding of Scripture from listening to MacArthur mm -hmm. and also from that book was he has a chapter in there uh, on the sovereignty of God in, in, uh, in salvation. Mm -hmm. Okay? And, you know, I, I, up to that point in time, uh, whether you would want to call me an Armenian or a semi-Pelagian, as, uh, as R.C. would uh, uh, technically uh, describe it, yeah. uh, you know, I, I really, uh, as much as I, 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 uh, I tried to learn and I was even involved in, uh, in teaching for, uh, for a number of years, mm. uh, you know, I, I was still of the view that it was 99% uh, uh, God and 1% me, yeah. you know, and, uh, and when I, I heard him preach on election, and, uh, and God's sovereignty, uh, I thought, there is so much that I don't understand yet. And uh, uh, later, uh, we moved from Colorado back to Pennsylvania after 20-some years out there. And uh, 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 at that point, I became acquainted with R.C. Sproul. Hmm. And we became, you know, every evening after dinner, we would sit down and turn on Sproul, and uh, he, he was uh, he was on a uh, a local Christian radio station, uh, which later I actually uh, uh, worked at also, uh, in a kind of a third career, but uh, uh, at any rate, uh, Sproul had an enormous amount of influence on us. Uh, then we became acquainted with um, the. Uh, uh, Philadelphia Conference on Reformed the uh, Theology, PCRT, uh, that's uh, uh, 10th Presbyterian in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. uh, we attended, I mean, that was a high point of our year for a good number of years. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we uh, uh, learned to greatly love uh, uh, Pastor James Montgomery Boyce. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, he was such a great preacher and teacher and, uh, and man of God. And, uh, and and there at, at PCRT, uh, we came to uh, uh, be acquainted in in a remote way, I guess, with a lot of other just outstanding uh, Reformed preachers, Eric Alexander, and uh, mm -hmm. your friend Michael Horton, uh, mm -hmm. Horton we, we heard there, and uh, 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 Steve Lawson, and and uh, Sinclair Ferguson, who uh, was also one of our favorites, who was just uh, until uh, until uh, a couple years ago over here at Columbia uh, at uh, First Presbyterian there. And uh, when we lived in Polly's Island up, up the road here, uh, we used to occasionally, uh, maybe every five or six weeks, we would drive over to Columbia uh, to uh, attend Sunday school and mm. and uh, be uh, challenged by Pastor Ferguson. Mm. Uh, so uh, we had uh, the opportunity really uh, to hear a lot of great, uh, a lot of great preachers. Mm. Uh, you know, I think of great preachers. I think of Martin Lloyd Jones, mm. and it was John MacArthur who who mentioned Martin Lloyd Jones again. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, who introduced us or, mm -hmm. uh, to the name Martin Lloyd-Jones. Did I understand anything about him until, uh, until many years later? No. Uh, but he kept coming up in these conversations, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that uh, mm -hmm. uh, as we went to uh, 
uh, PCRT and in uh, Westminster Pres Presbyterian Church, PCA, in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, had a, a conference uh, modeled very much like PCRT. Mm, okay. uh, that's where we first heard uh, Harry Reader hmm. uh, preach. And, uh, and of course, we went to the Ligonier Conference in Orlando a number of times and heard a, 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 a lot of great men down there, mm. uh, including Derek Thomas and um, mm. uh, Alistair Bay. Sure. Mm. Uh, I, I, again, Lawson. Uh, mm. Mm. Well, certainly R.C. himself, R.C. Jr. <clears throat> but uh, uh, those conferences uh, were, were very important and stimulating uh, in our spiritual growth. Mm, mm. And, and the other thing that they led us to, uh, which I would encourage everybody in, uh, in Christ Church to do, is take up the books and read. Mm. I mean, uh, I, I, I just fail to see how you can grow uh, spiritually without being nourished by, by the works of so many people mm. uh, who God has has gifted uh, with uh, with the talent for uh, insightful interpretation of the Scripture yes. and, uh, uh, and 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 reading. It's extraordinary and, when, we, when we think of church history and uh, even uh, back in the, the days of the Protestant Reformation, where everybody didn't have a Bible, right? Um, and you'd have a Bible, say, uh, chained to the pulpit. Uh, in the church, people could come look at it, and uh, certainly to own books would have been very expensive. Mm -hmm. And and yet uh, there were those, of course, who just uh, were uh, passionate readers and wanting to grow in their knowledge of of uh, Christ and of uh, the Christian faith. And yet in our day, we have so many resources. Yes. And yet they uh -huh. remain untapped, unused. Uh, we we buy books. We we put things on our Kindles. We uh, we have the Logos Bible programs. We've got we've got it all. Yeah. And yet, and yet our our preaching, in general, is become weaker. It's becoming weaker and weaker in in the evangelical world. That's true. Uh, isn't that isn't that something? And, and Jack, you you've seen uh, you've seen the church. Uh, the the ebbs and flows, the various seasons of uh, of and movements of the the evangelical church over the last fifty years, really. Uh, what can you what can you tell us uh, about some of those uh, things that you've seen? How do you interpret them, and how would you encourage uh, young people today in regard to the Christian faith, especially with everything going on today as it is? Well, some of the things that uh, uh, that I, I I have experienced over the years are uh, number one the uh, the influence of the church growth movement. Uh, you know, so many churches have become seeker sensitive, and the whole goal seems to be to uh, amuse ourselves to death. As mm -hmm. uh, as uh, you know, Neil Postman's uh, book was titled, and uh, unfortunately, I have been in churches. Uh, which got on the slippery slope to some degree. Uh, I have to say that I am not 
in in the same vein, I am not a big fan of contemporary music in the church. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> that, that, that is true. <laughs> that to me is the the beginning. Uh, I mean, the first step onto the slippery slope, and. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I've seen uh, we have experienced our uh, in our in our uh, uh, walk through life together. My wife and I have experienced uh, a number of uh, uh, churches where that we were part of mm. uh, that changed. It wasn't that that we left the church first; the church left us, mm. and and, and uh, then thereafter, you know, we felt that uh, we were out of step with the time. And uh, and so uh, you know we we looked for uh, a different type of worship. Mm -hmm. uh, really, those uh, who are part of Christ Church uh, should really appreciate uh, the worship we we enjoy there, mm -hmm. uh, because it is it is focused so much uh, on the Lord on on His Word. Um, we uh, we. Uh, uh, there's a rich prayer. There's great preaching. We read not just a, a verse or two to wrap a you know a topical sermon around, uh, but we actually read a chapter in the morning. We read a chapter in the evening, and one from each of uh, uh, the Old and, and New Testament, and and that's kind of rare too, you know, uh, extensive Bible reading. Uh, in worship services. Uh, the other thing that, uh, uh, you know, frankly, I guess as a personal opinion, I, you know, I, I don't intentionally want to offend people, uh, but I have had <clears throat> uh, a lot of experiences, almost none of them good, with the charismatic movement. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I saw the uh, <clears throat> Brownsville revival come to town uh, when uh, when we went back to Penn State or back to State College, Pennsylvania, to take care of uh, our elderly fathers, and uh, uh, that was uh, that was not good. Uh, I saw the uh, the effect of the Toronto blessing, uh, where the uh, the Holy Spirit uh, was uh, was said to bring this uh, this holy laughter to uh, to people, and uh, uh, there were uh, there have been a lot of charismatic excesses uh, that have not been good for the church because it's all experiential. Uh, it is not based on the word. Uh, you know, I, I, I would have to say that I am a strong, uh, I am not, uh, I'm not a continuationist. Uh, I, I, I believe that um, You're in good company. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm here. Eh? Okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I I believe that the Holy Spirit does work today. Uh, indeed, He works, but He, he you know He speaks to us through Scripture, uh, not through uh, uh, our, our our personal experience and so forth. Well, it was the reformers that said that we get Christ in the Word, mm -hmm. and so if we remove the Word and we replace it with our own experience, our own subjective experience, then Christ becomes lost in that. He becomes marginalized, yes. and we become central. Our I'm experience saying. becomes central. Christ is marginalized, and uh, and the church goes wayward. And this is why you have uh, not just charismatic churches, but but broad evangelical churches, 
when they are putting the felt needs and the experience of the believer first in order to, we don't know what the motivations are, but a lot of it's just to keep people in the pews and to grow your church. It marginalizes Christ and yeah. it puts the focus on man. And so this, this term, you know, uh, anthropocentric, man-centered, this is what oftentimes our churches turn into when our first thought is what's going to please the people rather than what's going to please right. yes. the Lord. Um, Ross, you and I have talked a lot about uh, how we have uh, been so blessed with the Muirheads in the church. And we, we prayed early on, didn't we, uh, in this church plant that God would bring uh, godly, mature saints, uh, that it wouldn't be uh, just a lot of young folks that uh, haven't lived life and uh, wouldn't be able to offer much wisdom. But uh, we've been so blessed uh, with the Muirheads and, and have really prayed for this. Yes. Yeah, we're so thankful the Lord has uh, been so kind to us as to bring um, those who have years of experience and wisdom and have lived uh, the Christian life for a number of years because the rest of the church, many of us just don't, don't have that. Mm -hmm. So we're very, very thankful. That's right. I'm, I'm so glad too when I think about my own children. Uh, you know, a lot of churches, they, they, they dissect the church. They, they put mm -hmm. the, the kids in one building, the teenagers in another building, the, uh, you know, this, this demographic here, that demographic there. And really the body of Christ is made up of, of believers and uh, believers and their children. And so right. when, when we come together on the Lord's Day, I want my children to hear Jack Muirhead singing. Yes. Someone who has been, been walking with the Lord for many decades and, and who is persevering in the Lord. And I want Jack Muirhead to hear the voices of young children singing around him as he is encouraged that uh, the church is growing and, it is, and, and, and uh, there, there is great hope for the future because there's hope in Christ. And, mm -hmm. and so what a, what a beautiful way that uh, the Lord has, uh, has uh, blessed the body of Christ to be able to gather together and to dwell together in community, not just you know, kids off in one building doing the kids planet and climbing the, the, the climbing wall and eating cotton candy while, while we're, you know, studying or whatever. It's, it's together we are growing. And, um, and so I, I want to say for one, uh, uh, Jack, it is a privilege to be your pastor. And uh, we are always blessed uh, to hear from you and to see you on Thursday mornings at Bible study and morning and evening on the Lord's Day. And uh, and we're thankful for you and Barbara, and it's just such an encouragement uh, to hear from you, hear your testimony, a little bit, a little bit about your life. And, um, and we hope that uh, all of our listeners have been encouraged as we have here on this episode of Between the Times.